Hey guys, welcome back to Can You Tell Me a Story? I talk to strangers here. It's completely unscripted. I don't have a pre-written set of questions that I send off to my guests. And in case you're curious, the whole process is literally just me saying, hey, do you want to be on my podcast? Yeah, great, let's do it. Saturday, 10 a.m., here's a chat link on Zoom, and then we're off to the races. You know, I think it's way more exciting that way. Uh, it's kind of cool how you guys are literally listening to the very beginning of a friendship. Anyway, my stranger turned friend today is Paul. Now, just a little behind the scenes, this was actually the second ever recording I've done. I don't know why, but it just took me 12 years to finally edit it and share it. Sorry, Paul. <laughs> Uh, so what this means is I actually haven't bought a mic during this recording and so the audio is probably a little funky compared to my previous episodes but hey I think all great projects start off like this and three years from now I'm gonna look back and be like I came a long way <laughs> anyway so back to Paul um, this conversation gets honest you guys it gets dark at times, but it's raw and it's life. You know, we talk about Paul's life as a dog owner and we very quickly transition to how he became suicidal and eventually got help. Paul is a man of faith and we talk about his relationship with religion. I love this conversation and I hope you do too. Paul, thank you for coming on the podcast and being so honest and open about your story. I think there's a lot to learn here, yeah, especially about mental health. If you guys enjoyed this episode, please leave a nice rating and a comment and have a good day. Tell someone you love them. Go tell your mom you love her. Go tell your dog you love them. Although I think you probably already do. All right, that's it. Bye-bye. <laughs> Um, okay, well, first of all, thank you for being here. Um, to be completely honest, so I actually recorded an episode this morning. Uh, so this is my second one. So I'm, I'm kind of like getting into the groove more. So that's oh, yeah. good. It takes um, time. <laughs> it really does. I know. It's no, you know, the thing is, I've been listening to podcasts for super long, like four or five years now. And I've always wanted to get into it. Mm -hmm. but it's it's nerve-wracking it's oh, like yeah. <laughs> yeah especially because especially as you're starting out it's like wait what what huh mm -hmm. Ooh. i but know yeah. you I, just I, have I, to feel your way through it i guess yeah and honestly the first i guess um two months for me was really difficult to get it working right um especially because we didn't have a permanent spot so we always were tearing down and setting up so oh, sweet. you have your own podcast yes Okay, just so you know, I am completely blind about your background. I didn't do any research. <laughs> that, that, that's perfectly fine. That's perfectly yeah. fine. It, it's really the whole theme of this that, that mm -hmm. I wanted to do. Just, right, just, and, and, and that's why I said, you know, that's perfectly fine. You know nothing. Beautiful. <laughs> oh, yeah. So do, do you want to go over how did we even, you know, like our, our relationship thus far? how long have we known each other uh we've known each other let's see a week through reddit yeah it's a message and this is the first time we've seen or talked with any sort of video or voice right so so approximately five minutes of yeah. facetime yeah right? <laughs> if, if if that even <laughs> what, what do you think of the energy right now i'm feeling a little nervous but i think i'll ease into it as yeah. it goes yeah, and, and that's perfectly fine, especially you're trying something new. This is a new thing for you. Um, 
I, I remember the first few podcast episodes I recorded, like, I think I recorded like three hours worth of content to get 45 minutes actual podcasts. So. Are you, would you record with people or just? Yes, by- I record with two other people, actually. Okay. Um, they're, they're the standard co-host. And uh, normally we don't do video. We just do audio. And then I do a video on a Monday type deal thing where God. it's just me on video because trying to control multiple people in the same room on video. <laughs> oh yeah no i i can imagine wait and you guys are i guess are you guys all based in wisconsin yeah we're, we're all based in wisconsin we're all um good friends so i actually used to be their youth group leader in church uh so they're a little bit younger than me um you know i'm 37 they're just turning 24 25 no. so you know i've known them since they were like 13 and we've become good friends over the years you know not only so it's really started off as that like uh, leader, student, mentorship, mentee uh, type of relationship. And then as we grew older, they didn't need me as a mentor as much, which was good. Fine by me because I have other teens I work with still. And it started, it shifted more to that friendship level where it wasn't just me giving into them, you know, when they were having issues, it was them willing to engage with me when I was having stuff going on as well. Okay. So wait, so it's like a two-way two-way street kind of yeah it changed from that one-way mentor mentee to that two-way friendship but it took time you know and from and from that you know yeah we're like 12 years age difference cool whatever but we have slightly different views on things then i found because you know i've been through a little bit more in my life than they have you know i grew up i was one of those people that grew up with you know dial-up internet you know when it was first coming out and they, the only thing they've known is cable internet their whole life. So they're right. like, oh, there was a time before when internet was slow. <laughs> what is this archaic what thing you talk like, of? <laughs> exactly. What is a wire? I've never seen that before. <laughs> you grew up without a cell phone in your pocket? How did you live? <laughs> I, that's really interesting that you've gotten to be closer to them because I'd imagine somewhat, somebody with like a 10-year age gap it's kind, it's kind of hard to, to manage that, you know? Yeah. And, and I'll admit at, at first, especially it was a little weird. Like when they were 18 and I was 30, you know, the, the, like you look at that and it's like, well, that's in the news as a pedophile or something like that. You oh know? my God. I was, I was going to say it. I didn't want to offend <laughs> you, but okay, keep going. <laughs> no, no, feel free. I, I will not take offense because <laughs> Wait, honestly, do, do you curse by the way, because uh, personally I don't, but if you want to feel free. No, me, me there. So the thing with cursing, I have an interesting relationship with it is that, so I live with my brother, by the way, in the, uh, the same apartment. I have never sworn at him. Okay. Except for one time, but that was because I was really mad. But anyway, so I, I don't, I don't swear uh, in the house or around people who are not comfortable swearing. I don't know. It's just this switch in my brain that turns off. I work in IT. So I'm used to hearing this all the time. So it, 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 it's nothing that's like unusual or uncomfortable for me. It's just, I don't, you know, as part of my, uh, you know, my religious commitment, I don't swear, you know, right. but I understand other people do. So I, like I go out to, you know, have a drink with my coworkers at the bar and they're swearing up a storm. I'm just like, okay, that's cool. Have fun swearing, but I'm just, cons- oh, no, 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 no. I have oh, some nice, I, I have hard cider. I have a beer. I have, I, I do drink. Okay. Got I it. do drink. Okay. I don't. Okay. I don't get drunk, but I do drink. I. I'm actually curious. So you know, like with the whole pandemic going on, mm-hmm. what I feel like this is a mandatory question to ask. How are you dealing with it? How like how are you keeping sane? Because I'm feel like I'm being pushed almost there. I'm almost there. <laughs> right. No. Um. So by nature, I'm kind of a a, a loner. I, I like my personal time. But this pandemic has been way too much personal time. <laughs> I've gone like, okay, th- this is crazy. Um, but I have, thankfully, so I have some friends. We play um, Pathfinder, which is essentially Dungeons and Dragons. We play it every week. And so we played it online. So that was my social time during this gotcha. pandemic. Um, and now in Wisconsin, we're not as bad as, you know, say New York is with this pandemic by, by far. did a really terrible job handling okay but anyway yeah there's a lot of factors beyond just the handling you know population density and all that and our population density nowhere near it but Mm -hmm. so we've actually started opening up again so you know like we started having our youth group again 
uh, these past couple of weeks. Um, we're meeting in person again for games, but I mean, up, up to that point, it was difficult. I'm a loner by nature and I'm like, I need human interaction. I've gone too many weeks without it. <laughs> yeah. And no, it's I, rough. Are, are you living alone by the way, or do you have people? Just me and my dog. So oh, you have a dog. Okay. So if you hear some like ruffling around or some shaking, that's him. He's, oh. you know, he, he's, um, he's 12 years old now. He's mostly deaf. So, but he's very high energy still. And he's not deaf because of his age. He's deaf because he keeps getting polyps grown in his ear. And it's like 500 hours of time to have them cut out. Wait, polyps? Yeah. They're just like growths in the okay. ear. Non-cancerous growths. And they're like, they're like, oh yeah, you know, you can just keep getting them cut out every time. Or they're like, here's the long-term solution. Pull out his ear, uh, his ear canal. I'm like, no. The whole thing? Like the whole ear canal. <laughs> he'd still be able to hear at that point, but he just wouldn't have the polyps growing. I was like, I can't do that to him. He's 12 years old. He's already been through enough surgery. Yeah. 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 So he might be able to hear, but Mm -hmm. (laughs) I like, they'd have to remove part of his um, skull to do that surgery. I was like, no, that's too much for a 12 year old dog. Good God. Wait. Okay. So I've, I've only had one experience having uh, two, two dogs, uh, at the same time so one was a chihuahua and the other was a pomeranian and okay. they passed they were like best friends and they passed away when i was a kid i don't remember how old they were but i wanted to ask you how long how long is like their lifespan typically uh depends on the breed really uh smaller dogs typically live a little bit longer um with like the larger the dog this is you know what you you know in general it's not a, a hard, hard, fast rule, but in general, the smaller the dog, you typically the longer, like his expected lifespan, even though he's a smaller dog was only 10 years because of all the health issues he had growing up. Um, how did you get him? Is it a foster? So that's an interesting story in and of itself. So his parents are two purebred dogs. Uh, one belonged to my cousin, um, who that was the beagle, his father, and the mm-hmm. other belonged to his brother uh, and his girlfriend, which was uh, Brussels Griffon. She was a small little thing. She fit in my hand. Oh. And so I, I was at college at the time working for a university um, and finishing up my degree at night. And I get a call in November saying that my cousin had committed suicide, the one that owned the small dog. And so my aunt took in both dogs temporarily while you know family chaos was going on and that's when she became pregnant yeah (laughs) you know the little small dog when the heat became pregnant and then essentially we kept all the puppies in the family at that time so i was i was there we didn't want a separate no yeah like i I was there when he was born like i I was there helping out making sure everything was going good and then i got him essentially the first day he could be weaned off his mom and I got him and, you know, I've had him ever since. And he is a handful. Yeah. I, <laughs> no, I can't imagine. Like, okay. But I feel like you've been there from the start. So mm-hmm. you probably have like a super special bond with. with oh, yeah. Him, right. Yeah. And he's almost died from rat poison. He's he got into my mom's diabetes medicine. He's eaten a whole bottle of vitamin D, which apparently is very toxic to dogs if they eat a whole bottle at once. It can actually cause like massive kidney stones. Jesus. Um, okay. uh, he's been attacked by a dog. That just happened this past Memorial Day. Oh my uh, God. He's torn the ACL in his, so it's like the human equivalent of the ACL. He tore that in his back right leg. So I had to have surgery. Now he has a artificial metal knee braces around his knee joint and <laughs> So he's part robot now. Yeah. Uh, okay. So if he was the human equivalent of, you know, the the dog, then he'd probably be like a, a badass. People. Yeah. A, <laughs> Pretty much. You know, like you know. a James Dean riding on the motorbike <laughs> type. Yeah. Of and he he survived cancer as well. So I mean, he he he's been through a lot. Um, so I, I I will say, if you have a if you get a puppy ever, anyone gets a puppy. Look at getting dog health insurance. It's it oh, is yeah. so, so useful. That's the only way I've been able to pay his bills. Yeah, I was going to ask if you if you got it because that would be obscene. It, it is. And there's like, there's two different health insurances for dogs. Um, 
there's the type where you pay everything up front and then they pay you money back. And then there's a type where it's like the human type, which this is what your deductible is going to be. You just pay that at the vet. I would, yeah, I would imagine that one would be more preferable, right? That'd be more preferable. Um, that's also. Is it more expensive? I don't know because I can't price out for my dog because like humans, pre-existing conditions. <laughs> no, yeah. So that'll be for whenever I have to get my next dog. Um, and hope, you know, whenever that ends up being, you know, it's one of those things of, I recognize I'm going to have my dog for as long as I have him, but I'm going to make sure he's having fun every day, mm-hmm. you know, cause he's on um, muscle relaxant. Cause he also has bad arthritis in one of his shoulders now. So he's a muscle relaxant, a uh, neurological pain blocker, right. arthritis medication. <laughs> He yeah. just went on CBD. Yeah. He just went on CBD as well. Oh wow! To help with all that too. So it's like every day it's okay. How much peanut Here's butter are you going to get for all your pills? <laughs> does does he get like one spoon per pill type of um, thing? No, I try to combine as many as possible so that way I don't. <laughs> I, I it's like let's, let's keep the let's keep the, we'll give you peanut butter, but we'll give you other treats as well. But right, well. Oh my God. I, you know, I can't imagine. I mean, just because, you know, in New York, a lot of people, dogs are obviously the more preferred uh, animal here. Hmm. Um, But I can't imagine having one in such a tiny apartment. And plus, you know, after Corona, when we all go back to work, I can't imagine putting them in the, in a tiny space for 14 hours. It's- yeah. And they're actually a lot I've seen a lot of articles, people saying that they're expecting a rise in separation anxiety from pets when yeah. everything starts opening up and people start going back to work. Cause all of a sudden all these pets have 24 seven attention yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. it's going to go back and to no mental health therapy for them. So you can't. <laughs> yeah. And, and there's ways like you can get doggy Prozac. You really can. Is there such a thing? Yes, it, it really is just standard Prozac, just dosed down for a dog. You can al- you can also get uh, calming pheromones. Um, you can also get something like uh, a lavender essential oils that will help calm them down as well. Got it. No, that's really good. I'm- yeah, it, and I know this because my dog had when I moved to my apartment where I'm at. Um, it went from have me living with family to me being just in my apartment mm-hmm. and he had real bad separation anxiety. Like it okay. got to the point where if I even walked outside the apartment door, like he was barking, crying. And I would, I would sit out there 10, 15, 20 minutes and he wouldn't stop. Oh my God. And I was like, I need to go to work. I can't have him just barking all day. I'm going to get kicked out of my apartment. And yeah. so what I found was if I closed my, my bedroom door, and he laid outside the bedroom door and I put like a shirt at the bottom. He was fine because he could smell my smell. And so what I did was the first day I went to work back, I did that. And then I actually had to crawl out my bedroom window to get to work. Wait, you had to crawl out your bedroom window? So like- he didn't see me walk out oh the front door. Oh my God. You are, you're a fantastic owner just um, because of the, the level of commitment and dedication that you have. And my apartment, I'm on the corner um, of, of the apartment building and I have bushes all around my windows. So it's like I had to crawl <laughs> into the bushes to crawl that out. Um, How then, long did it take for you to make that decision? It, it was literally, I like I moved in on a, a Friday mm-hmm. and I noticed it. Like I, I, I was like, I need to go get basic food supplies on yeah. Friday night. And as soon as I stepped out the door, I had the issue. Like it, it was bad. And I was like, I, I can't have you making this much noise this late at night. We're going to have problems. So I actually took them in the car with me to mm-hmm. the grocery store. I left them in the girl in the car. It was like the real cool at night. So I wasn't too yeah. worried about overheating or anything, but like the entire time, like I left my phone in there to record the entire time he was going mental. So I was like, well, I'm going to have problems, you know? And then I, Saturday, I tried to do some stuff. Sunday, I was like, I'm going to go to church. And I actually had notes on my door when I got back from after a couple hours of church of, please shut up your dog. I was like, I was like, come on, people. Wait, so, so your dog probably sees the corona as a good thing, right? Oh, yeah. He, he's all happy. In fact, he just laid down to his bed and right to the left of me. Oh. I had like beds 
uh, scattered around the house to like kind of where I work typically. And so he's in his, uh, or my work bed now. Well, I, I want to transition and I'm not too sure if you're comfortable. Let me know if you're not comfortable with it, but just now you mentioned, I'm really sorry to hear that your, your cousin committed suicide. Mm-hmm. Um, I've only known one person who had a, a family member done that before. And I wanted to know like how, like how, how did you cope with it? And was that recent? Oh, no, no, it wasn't recent. No, it wasn't uh, recent. It was, oh, that would have been 2006. Yeah, okay. Uh, were you guys because, close, by the way? Uh, we were we were decently close. We saw each other all the time. So um, my, I, my mom's side of the family is Mexican, and she has seven brothers and sisters. All of them live with it. Like, I, we're all within, like, 10 miles of each other. You know, my mom and all of her siblings. So, yeah. you know, I saw my cousins all the time. <laughs> right. Yeah. And there was a lot of us, Mexican family, a lot of kids, a lot of cousins. Uh, so we saw each other all the time. Uh, ended up seeing his younger brother more often than him, but me and him were the same age. Uh, just, we, we had different interests, you know, and, mm-hmm. and that's fine. Okay? But, you know, we were still close, you know, and I'm, I'm sitting over in Michigan where I was working at the time uh, and finishing up my schooling. And I, I get that call and I'm just like, what the heck happened? <laughs> you know, it, yeah. it was, it was a hundred percent out of the blue and, and I'll get into, I'll touch on this a little bit more in a little bit here, but on my personal story with this stuff too. Um, but you know, I, you know, I immediately just packed up my car and came home. I was like, there's nothing I can do except be around the family, you know, yeah. you know, just kind of come home and through that whole ordeal, I kind of made the decision. I was like, I'm going to move back. You know, just, I was like, I need to come back and be with the family. You know, mm-hmm. I'm literally at that time, I was the only one outside of a 30 mile radius oh, from no. the family. Yikes. <laughs> like everyone else was within 30 miles of the hometown, mm-hmm. you know? And so I was like, you know, and I'm, I'm going to come back. You know, I don't always agree with all the family. We get in, we get into a lot of family fights and we have fun doing it. <laughs> It's, it's part of the deal. You can't get out of it. <laughs> yep, exactly. And, and we, it's always been interesting, but you know, so I came home um, just dealing with that and it, it took time because, you know, just a couple of years earlier, I had lost uh, a good friend. It wasn't to suicide, but to murder. So I'm still trying to learn how to process this. You know, I was still pretty young at the time, you know, 21, 22 you know, mm-hmm. trying to figure out how to do all this and process this. And yeah. here, here, here was my cousin and it was just out of the blue. Um, and what <laughs> I, I call it the saddest birthday party ever because two days afterward, we had his son's one year birthday party at Chuck E. Cheese and he had paid for it all in full ahead of time. And so we're trying to like, be like, <laughs> have fun for the kid for the one-year-old who isn't going to remember this but at the same time you know just try to make the kid happy and try to maybe i guess in a way heal uh, ourselves a little bit but it was like the saddest yeah, birthday party like ever right mm-hmm. it's oh, like man. it's like oh look here we're at chuck e cheese everyone smile with chucky uh, i can't imagine how that photo turned out <laughs> um we all managed somehow to force a smile on mm-hmm. our faces uh, and you know and that kid he's still part of the family you know e- even though you know it was she wasn't married to him uh his girlfriend mm-hmm. at the time but we, we're still like you know what that's that's our my cousin's kid that's you know uh, you know it's family it's family he's family so a family events they're invited over still and they come over most of the time still you know but you know as she's getting older she you know and that she's eventually potentially going to find her own boyfriend or husband and yeah. you know whatever so we'll see what happens but at the same time the door is always open for you know that kid to come around and you mm-hmm. know we and thankfully thankfully he actually has um cousins around his age in the family so so you, we, you mean you mean the kid yeah he has oh, okay. so there's so there's my generation like i have no kids but like all my cousins have a bunch of kids got it yeah you know so all their kids are around his age so at least he has someone to play with when he comes over Mm -hmm. which is good did did that 
change the family dynamic? Yeah, it it it, it kind of you know, maybe not so much for my family, like my immediate family dynamic, like mm-hmm. me and my mom, my brother, but for my cousins, you know, it, it changed their family dynamic, specifically uh, the family that, you know, his immediate family yeah. a lot, you know, and, and it changed kind of the trajectory where, where my cousins was thinking about doing for his career and everything. Um, he actually ended up becoming um, in, the, in the medical field because of that, kind of inspired by that, uh, his, his younger brother. Um, you know, his, his older brother, he's a good guy still, you know, but I, he, he, he was trying to convince his wife to name one of their kid, the one of their future kids after his brother, but his wife wasn't going for it, <laughs> especially when it came out as a, a daughter. And she's like, I can't, oh. I can't name it after your young, your younger brother. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, that ain't happening. It's just what, weird. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, if, if it was like a gender neutral name, sure. But what was the what was the name? Anthony. And okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know how you can make that up. Like, Sorry to <laughs> twist it. I, yeah, I can't. I was gonna try to do something, but no. <laughs> you know, but we still remember him, and it, you know, things still happen. And you know, I think it was kind of a, a a warning to our family, an early warning, because one of the things in our family is, you know, and I got this from my mom all the time. So, my dad passed away when. I was 13. Nope. Sorry. 14. Um, he, he was in the Marines and he had agent orange from Vietnam war. So I don't know if you're familiar with agent orange and what that does. Uh, no. Is it like a chemical war? Yeah. So in in the Vietnam war, they used, um, agent orange as a defoliant. Essentially it, it was, it's really good at killing plants, you know? So when they were fighting the Viet Cong, um, they needed to, like kill the foliage so that way they could see, you know, their enemy. Because yeah, because the Viet Cong were great at hiding and doing guerrilla warfare in the trees and the bushes and all that. Right. Well, as a side effect, Agent Orange is very cancerous. It it like it, it causes cancer hardcore. So my dad ended up having brain, spine, liver, lung. Um, every, probably, every possible. That, yeah. Yeah, and, and that's the cancers we knew of. You know, um, he went from being able to walk on Thanksgiving, and, and we knew he had cancer at this time. Right. Um, but he went from walking just fine at Thanksgiving, and we actually went down to Disney World because we kind of figured it would be his last uh, vacation ever. Within a day of being at Disney World, he couldn't walk, and he was in a wheelchair. And we came back up to Wisconsin, and he passed away December 7th. So from Thanksgiving to December 7th, he degraded that oh quickly, God. you know. Wait, so it sounds like all of these effects from all of the cancers combined just hit him, you know, yeah. just once really bad. Like we knew he was on the tail end at that point, you mm-hmm. know, because we had tried chemo, we tried radiation. Uh, he tried brain surgery even to remove the brain tumor, but it yeah. just kept coming back. So mm-hmm. we knew, you know, it was going to be like that. We just didn't realize it was going to be that quick, you know. How, how old was was he? Uh, he would have been mid to late sixties okay. at that point. Okay. You know, he 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 was a. Um, my mom was a second mom, so I, I actually have an older half brother who has the same exact name as me, with the same exact initials, and my dad has the same exact name with the same exact initials. So have you have you met uh, your half? Yeah, so I met him, and when I was younger, I didn't realize he was my half brother. How were you introduced? I just thought he was my dad's friend. <laughs> Wait, how old was he? He was definitely in his late twenties to early thirties at the time when I met him. So like way way older than me. Like I would have been four. I would have been four or five yeah. at the time. But, but are you open to are you open to meeting them and getting to know them or are you oh yeah yeah you know i and, and i don't have any hostility towards them that wasn't their that wasn't their choice you know yeah you know that was my dad's choice bad choice of what he did mm-hmm. um but because he was actually married at the time when i was born when both me and my full brother were born so to to their mother huh to the half half brother's parents uh, mother so 
I understand their reluctance mm-hmm. and, and I don't blame yeah. them, you know, and that's nothing from any of our fault, but I get it because me and my brother, we're kind of that reminder of, you know, their dad leaving. Mm-hmm. And I know how that hurts, yeah. you know, you know, I, I, like I said, you know, due, due to the Agent Orange, you know, I, I actually held my dad's hand as he took his last breath. Okay. So, you know. That's good it, that he got to, did, did he get to see the whole family once before he passed her? Yeah. So, you know, whoever was willing to come over, but I mean, the last, I'd say two days, like mm-hmm. he really wasn't conscious. He was breathing like we had a he couldn't drink on his own so the only way he was getting any moisture was like we'd take a ice cube and just kind of like put around his lips and that yeah Um, Mm -hmm. he he was he was at home with hospice and you know you know we were giving him morphine every few hours orally and just we're like yeah the end is coming really quickly Mm -hmm. and again like I said that was from Thanksgiving to December 7th yeah so like I said my dad passed away with um from the agent orange so it now i will say this thankfully and if anyone listens and they have a parent who was in the same situation uh, check with the va because the va has finally taken responsibility for agent orange and uh, so like spouses will actually get compensation for the rest of their life and if they have kids under 22 or if they're in college um, they will get compensation as well to help pay for college so what is the what is the va uh the veterans assistance it's you know so essentially you know after they've done their service Mm -hmm. you know this is the group that says yeah you know we'll help the veterans what we can and for Mm -hmm. the longest time they actually fought that agent orange didn't cause any of these issues (laughs) so it it took many 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 people suing to finally get this uh acknowledged that yeah agent orange does do all this you know, and I look at it myself, like if I ever want to have kids, I'm debating because there's a very high probability that it actually has damaged some of my DNA without me knowing. Oh, oh yeah. I didn't even think about that. Okay. So it's a highly mutagenic uh, and carcinogenic substance. So it's, it's some nasty stuff. It is nasty stuff. And, you know, and he was one of those guys like on a ship, just like, handling barrels of it just getting covered in it all the time not realizing this was setting him up for a future you know i had a teacher that actually went through the same thing when i was in sixth grade you know he was in vietnam and he was fine one day and then like two months later he was dead well i'm sorry you had to go through that like i'm you know i i mean i i understand it's not something that you chose obviously and uh, I I really don't know. I don't know if I was in your position. I, I don't know if I could get through it. Well, so here's the, I, I don't know. I, so I, it, one of the things is I use the word fun, ironically. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. So here, here's the fun part about it. Um, mm-hmm. That, so, you know, I said my cousin committed suicide, you know, um, I never really processed the death of my dad properly. You know, when I was younger, one of the things from my family all the time was, you don't show emotions, you know, and I get that that happens a lot, especially for young men and that, and that was your label. Yeah. You know, that, that, that's what everyone in my family is like, you don't show emotion. You don't show that you're crying over your dad's death. I'm oh, like, they tell you not to. Yeah. Oh. yeah. And I was like, you know, I look back at it now and I'm like, that was horrible. Right? That was horrible on vice. Yeah. It was very unhealthy. In fact, um, so not processing that, properly and not having the resources to process it, it led to me becoming suicidal on multiple occasions. Um, and I'm finally, and I say this finally at 37 in a semi-stable place because, um, it, so it culminated two years ago when I was, oh, I would have been 34 at the time, 34, 35, whatever, something like that. I can't do math. Yeah. <laughs> it was a weird, it was in that weird time period, but it culminated to a point where I was, um, and this was probably the third time where I was suicidal, like, but it was to the extreme where I actually ended up in inpatient care for a week at a psych- psychiatric hospital for, for a week to get stabilized and put on meds and start therapy and go through the whole thing. And a lot of it, um, 
thankfully I found out was a genetic, like mental, like a chemical imbalance. But a part of it also was I never fully processed and grieved my dad's death. Mm-hmm. You know, and so every year when it would come up, because his birthday was October 25th and he died December 7th. And so every year during that time, I would just enter this crazy deep spiral of depression, like, like ridiculously deep. And, you know, some years I was able to come out of it. Okay. But some years, like my friends were basically on 24 hour watch with me, you know, where yeah. they're like, Hey, how are you doing? Are you still alive? Yeah. And, um, in on you, right. Yeah. They're checking in on me and I'm grateful for that. But you know, this, in this year, it, I, ne- I never snapped out of it. And it continued on into January, where, where it normally doesn't. And um, my, my buddy, one of the guys I do the podcast with, his name is Aaron. I, and I know I can say his name, so you don't have to bleep it out or anything. Um, mm-hmm. He's one of the younger guys. Like I said, you know, he just turned 25 this year, so he would have been 23 at the time. And he saw what was going on with me. And he's like, to his credit, you know, and... It, it, at the time I was angry, but that was because that was me in my depression acting like this. Um, but he's like, he saw what was going on. He had no clue what to do, but he knew he needed to get me help. So he went to a, a trusted friend of mine that we both know. And he said, hey, Paul needs help. I don't know what to do. Can you help him? Get him to the, you know, you don't expect the 23 year old to know what to do. Yeah. Ever. You know, the, the and I felt bad. I, I just, let me rephrase it. I feel bad, but you know, it, it's not a bad of like, what was me, blah, 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 blah. It was yeah. more along the, you know, kind of like, I'm sorry I put you through this sort of deal where yeah. I had, I put that on him at 23. Well, and, technically you, it wasn't you imposing it on him, right? It was, it was I, all up there and it just happened to come out that way yeah and and, you know like i said that's what i said it's like it's a weird like i feel bad that i imposed it on him but i also at the same time realized it wasn't something where i was like you had no control over it yeah um but you know he he went to our my our mutual friend um andy and andy was like well here's what i can do and he he tried doing what he could do and getting his resources in line um because his wife actually works in the medical field so he had a little leg up on you know, what to do to get me help. But when he got to the end of his rope, he actually engaged um, our pastor. And my pastor was like, all right, we're going to sit down. And then, you know, you hear these horror stories coming out of the, you know, from people like, oh, my pastor or whatever said, just pray about it. You know, my mom is one of those people. She goes, just pray about it. And it'll go away. I'm like, it doesn't work like that. (laughs) It's a, there's a mental disorder in here. There's a chemical imbalance. I'm sorry. I believe in prayer, but sometimes it just doesn't work like that. And if I've been dealing with this since I was like 16, obviously another step is needed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I've been thinking about like, I don't know if it's something that's specific to, uh, I say older, earlier generation, Mm -hmm. like older has a negative connotation to earlier generations where they don't believe that mental health exist issues exist yeah i I don't know um but like i said but to to my pastor's credit you know he he sat me down and he's like look he's like i know you i've known you since you were like you know 14 Mm -hmm. um we're gonna get you into a hospital (laughs) he's like you know it didn't even start with uh let's pray this away thing it was like we're gonna get you into a hospital practical (laughs) practical man yeah yeah he was like we'll get you the support you need Mm-hmm. We'll continue on, you know, the spiritual support afterwards. But he's like, you're in a spot where you need to be seen by a physician, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and he actually went through, followed through, um, found me a hospital to go to and actually drove me up there. Wow. So, you know, and he, he, the reason he drove me up there himself is he, he kind of know, he knows me. And I told him when I got up there, I was like, this entire drive, I just wanted to open that door and get out of this vehicle. I did not want to go. <laughs> like I knew, I knew I needed help. I knew I needed help, but I didn't want to get help. It's a weird, it, it doesn't make sense. Is it because go like 
actually going there and physically being there and admitting yourself into the into the hospital is equivalent to admitting that you had a problem that needs to be solved yeah i i would looking back at it i would say yes that's a that's a good way of putting it you mm-hmm. know just kind of that finally cuz i remember when i was in the admitting room and when i finally blurted those words out loud it, I broke down because mm-hmm. it was finally me saying out loud saying I need help. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it was, it was difficult, Yeah. but going through that whole process, you know, I, it was, it was, uh, it was hard at, at mm-hmm. times. <laughs> it really was, but I have come out, I think a little bit better at this time. You know, I still have bad days. Don't yeah. get me wrong. Like every day is not a happy flowery day where I think everything's going to go great. <laughs> you know, if I still have... is the complete opposite. No, I'm kidding. I'm really trying to stay positive, like during this, especially during this time. Yeah. And, you know, I, I've seen a lot of people who are struggling during this time of COVID because of this social isolation, you know, especially a lot of the people that need to be around people. Mm-hmm. But even those people who, like me, like to have their alone time, I'm finding that they're having some issues too because all of a sudden it's like I cannot even get my little bit of social interaction mm-hmm. that, that I need. Yeah, it um, needs to be a, a balance, right? Yeah, it needs to be a balance. So and I've seen, I've been reading the articles and they have seen a spike, a spike in the number of either people being admitted for um mm-hmm depression or suicidal tendencies yeah. like there was one hospital in california they said they saw in a month the number of suicides they would normally see in a year due to a lot and they were attributing a lot of it to this social isolation mm-hmm. i know it, 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 it's one of those things of like how do we how do we impact how do we help those people yeah. and because of that so i don't know if you've ever heard of this have you ever heard of um heart support mm Okay, so H-E-A-R-T. Heart, yeah, heart, H-E-A-R-T, support. So heart support is an organization started by um, a, a heavy metal band, actually. I'm not a heavy metal person myself, okay? Um, uh, uh, Re- August Burns Red, uh, the lead singer from August Burns Red, Jake Lurz, I think that's how you say his last name. He started this foundation. And, and it, now mid full up front, it, you know, it's, he founded it as a Christian-based organization. But their goal is to help young people especially deal with things like depression, drug addiction, alcohol addiction, you know, get help and get support and make it less of a stigma to talk about. Mm-hmm. And so they have this outreach community and actually they, what they do is they go to heavy metal concerts. It doesn't matter who's at these heavy metal concerts. They don't have to be a Christian heavy metal yeah. concert. In fact, they were at Vans Warped Tour last year the last time it was going on and they had you know the heart support system there and they had the staff there and everything and this year they opened up what they're calling their master class like how do you interact with society better how do you help young people deal with depression and all this and i'm actually taking that class right now to try to learn how to better interact with the younger generation how to help them you know i i know what i went through yeah and i know how hard it can be so how do i you know, if someone needs help, what do I do? How mm-hmm. do I give these young people hope? And I'm not necessarily saying it has to be a religious-based hope, but how do I give them hope to live? Mm-hmm. To, to see that, you know, suicide is really not an option. And how, if they want to get help, what, what to do? You know, how do I offer that encouragement? So I'm glad there, there are institutions out there like this. And I'm like, yeah, I'll take this class, you know? So we do like six hours of a class um, every other week with homework and everything that we do. Um, I, I'm actually curious. So, so right now, when, if you are going through one of those rough days, right, what do Mm -hmm. you, what do you do? So that, that's where a lot of the, it's one of the skills you learn. It's, it's called self-care essentially what you do. You know, when you, when you can recognize that you're having a bad day, there's a couple things to do. One, you know, once you recognize it, kind of do something for yourself that makes you feel good. 
So what do you enjoy? Do you enjoy music? Do you enjoy going for a walk? Do you enjoy video games? Even if you don't feel in the mood for it, Mm -hmm. do something that you enjoy. And the goal of it is not to like go on a walk and think, oh, I'm such a loser. I'm such a loser. I'm such a loser. The goal of it is, yeah, the goal of it is to go on a walk and enjoy the moment. Don't focus Mm -hmm. on what you need to do, what you didn't do, what you haven't done. Enjoy the moment. And it's hard, this this idea of mindfulness, it's a hard thing to do because it takes practice. You know, be like, okay, I feel the wind on my skin. How does that make me feel? You know, I'm looking and enjoying this flower or, you know, I'm watching my dog as he's walking and just kind of in in that moment. Because when you're in that moment, all of a sudden these ideas of, I need to do this, take a backseat. And it just helps calm the mind a little bit. And even if you get those five, 10 minutes, that helps a lot. Mm-hmm. Another thing is, you know, when I'm in one of those bad days, it's like, okay, what's one positive thing I can do for myself today? Even if that's get up and take a shower because I don't want to take a shower. Go that take is a shower. something that I made a rule for myself a month into uh, Corona is that, I need to take a shower or the rest of the day is just, yeah. it's sunk, yeah. It's, it's amazing when you have one positive thing that you can do for yourself, all of a sudden you feel like, wow. Yeah. I can do it. I'm yeah. not a loser. I could do something good. Right, yeah. So, so what, what does that look like for you? So I guess you, you mentioned music first. I, you- I, I played bass guitar since, oh, what, sixth grade? Yeah. So that's so cool you know i i have a martin guitar sitting in my living room you know that ed sharon one the travel yeah. one yeah so that one's mine because i have tiny fingers but i i've always wanted to learn bass and like electric guitar so i, I personally i've found it's easier to go from guitar to bass than bass to guitar i've tried to oh, go yeah? to the guitar method <laughs> and first off i have big fingers so it's like <laughs> right but no yeah i i i enjoy um i enjoy playing but i also enjoy just listening to music mm-hmm. you know i have a bunch of playlists i have saved up and if i know thankfully since i'm working from work and outside of meetings i'll just go i'll just tell siri to play my playlist that i need that's like i need at that time right you know, whether that's just my everyday play miss play mix or you know Maybe I need a little bit more relaxing, or maybe I just need some ambient noise in the background just to let my mind do what it needs to do to focus. Mm-hmm. Are you in a band <laughs> by any chance? No, I, I don't oh. have the time for that. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah, I mean, with your podcast and your your job and you know your dog. So, yeah, and I do youth group, and I yeah. do um, live streaming for my church, right. and. <laughs> And I do the hard support masterclass. Yeah. So you're all about, I guess, uh, keep keeping busy. I, I feel like there's two paths you can go uh, during this time, which is either you work on yourself or you just completely let go and not do anything. Yeah. You sound like the first. <laughs> and, part, and part of that is, you know, I, I realize and I had some good mentors for me in my younger days. So that's why I continue working with these youth every week you know it's a big time commitment especially because i have to drive a half hour down south just to start working with them so it's like mm-hmm. drive a half hour work with them drive them home so and usually when i get home it's like one or two in the morning and then i have to go to work oh, wow. still the next day on thursday so it's like oh <laughs> why does it last that long though so it uh, so that will go until like eight but then if I have a kid that wants to talk, that'll go to whatever. Got it. And then a bunch of us leaders, because, you know, that might be one of our only social times, we'll go out to dinner together. You know? Okay. We'll go I, out I to dinner, grab a drink. <laughs> yeah. And then by the time, you know, you wrap up and then I have that half hour drive and I'm hoping that the interstate is not closed because mm-hmm. that happens once in a while oh and it's like oh, okay back roads so i there's one one more thing i wanted to explore sorry i'm very curious <laughs> no that that's fine open um, i'm open ask i i wanted to know when religion came into your life and how because i i personally am not a super religious i grew up as a 
Buddhist. But okay. then, so a little backstory is that uh, one of my friends passed away when I was like a couple years back, 2017. And then I don't know, for some reason, I'm from Singapore, by the way, and I'm, I came to New York to study. And so one of my college friends uh, passed away while I was in Singapore. Mm. So I don't know why, for some reason, I started going to churches just yeah. to explore a little bit. And also, I wanted to see how people could believe in something that they don't know whether or not exists. I mean, just for me. All right. Yeah, well, that's a fair. That's that's a good question. That's a fair question. So, going back in my memory here, because <laughs> it's like yeah, 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 of it's course. Like, so, yeah. I I would say this. Um, my. So my mom, being Mexican, very Catholic, <laughs> very Catholic. That being said, she never went to mass. So you know, she was very like, uh, yes, we'll do this as a Catholic. We'll do this, but never went to mass or anything. My dad, um, being the person that he was, even though, again, his background of having cheated on his first wife with my mom and then leaving her and everything, he mm -hmm. still went to church every Sunday. So like, I remember even my earliest years always going to church. Um, that was like kind of that Sunday ritual, you know, you wake up, Oh, dad made pancakes. Okay. Now we get in the vehicle. Now we go to the church and whatever, yeah. you know, and then you get lunch afterwards. It was a tradition. It's just a thing that you have to do. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, it was, uh, I would almost say like a ritual, like this is your Sunday morning ritual. And then Sunday afternoon you did whatever. Mm -hmm. But that was a ritual. That wasn't anything real to me. That was just, okay, well, we're going, we're going, we're going, we're going. So after my dad got diagnosed with cancer, um, you know, at the time I was 13 in that. And, you know, at 13, you start questioning things. You start looking at things. And at, especially at the time, I'm like, okay, what does cancer mean for me, for my dad, for my future mm -hmm. with him and everything? And I started questioning and kind of looking into, okay, what happens when we die? Little, you know, you know, those things. And I remember I was at the church because obviously we were still following tradition. Yeah. <laughs> we were still doing the tradition, but you know, we were at the church and I, I remember having these questions and then the pastor actually was talking about, this is what happens, what we believe happens after death, according to, you know, the scriptures, the Bible. And I was like, you know what? I, I need answers on what happens. I, I need to know and I need to believe in something mm -hmm. because I honestly believe that we as humans, we all want to believe in something. We're made to believe in something, whether that's, you know, Christian religion, whatever religion, because there's always something we're kind of looking for. What, what happens in the next phase of our life? You know, because our bodies are temporal. You know, we're here for a short while and then What's, what's next? Yeah. And I was having those questions at 13, you know, especially seeing my dad, you know, die in front of me literally from cancer. Yeah. And I remember the pastor won the Sunday, it was a Sunday in June. And, you know, he was like, all right, those of you who want to, you know, at least learn more, you know, you know, raise your hand and, you know, and talk to us later. And I started doing that and I started investigating, um, and me, I personally, I love science. Like, so, you know, that was probably the only class I ever got an A in in school was science. <laughs> Math and all that? Pfft, no. Yeah. Science? <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. Bring on the chemistry. Bring on the biology. Bring on the physics. I love oh it all. Oh, my God. I cannot do organic chemistry for the life of me. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's like, all right, bring all that on. And I loved it, you know, in high school and that. But, you know, at the time, I was still learning that stuff. And I started investigating. And... I would say at first for me, it was more of um, like, like I said, at first, like maybe ages 13 to like 18, I'd say more that I, that comfort idea of there's something after life. And this is kind of the tradition I was bought, brought up in and just kind of learning it. But after I turned 18 and I started going to college and I started learning more on my own and challenging and researching, it, it became something not so much as a, a comfort, but as a, a way of doing life, a way of 
finding order in this chaos, you know, a way of viewing life through a lens in a mm-hmm. way of faith and believing. And I, and I get it. Everyone is going to have their own beliefs, you know, and, you know, every religion is like, you know, you know, for the most part, most religions are like, we're the one true religion. And I get that. I respect, mm-hmm. you know, other religions. I'm not going to be like, Oh, you're going to Buddhism, whatever. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, that that's fine. You know, I, I understand that especially in the society that we live in where there's this melting pot, you know, that we encourage, we need to learn from one another. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't see, you know, my religious background now more days as like uh, a comfort because to be honest, there's a lot of challenging things in there. It's like, oh, hey, you don't like this person, but you still got to love them, respect them. Oh, that is hard. <laughs> you know, it's like- It went against your instincts. It, it, yeah. it really goes against, you know, our human instinct. It's like, I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. They wronged me. I want revenge. Right. Dang it. <laughs> You know, like, how and, do I channel this in a legal way where I don't do something stupid? <laughs> you know, it, yeah. And, you know, and it's kind of, and it's grown over time that the way I've thought about things and the way I've looked at things and going more from that legalistic approach to that more um, grace and faith approach. Because mm-hmm. as I've grown older and as I've matured in my faith, I've learned, hey, you know what? I'm a stupid idiot who's going to mess up what do I do now that I have messed up? How do I reconcile myself to God? How do I, you know, what are these things? And mm-hmm. as I'm learning this, I'm learning less that it's a God who wants to throw a thunderbolt at me and smite me at the least smallest misstep, which, you know, you kind of see everywhere and more that, Hey, there's a path to redemption here for, for you on, even though you screwed up, even though you might've done these things, which are offensive, you know, to the, you know, Christian religion to the Christian God, there's still a path of that redemption. And I think that's a beautiful thing because that is something that we're kind of missing in the world is this idea that anyone can be redeemed. Anyone can be restored. What I'm seeing a lot of right now is people mess up, you know, maybe a big, a big mess up. And we're, we're not talking like, you know, they sped, you know, you know, we're talking, you know, they murdered, they raped, they did something horrible. And they're forever labeled that and never given a chance to repent and restore and be restored. And maybe that's something we're doing wrong in society. Maybe we need to find a way to allow these people, even though they screwed up majorly, mm-hmm. not on a plane. Yes, they should still serve the jail time. Yeah. Yes, they should still, you know, be penalized to the full extent of the law. But after they've done that, how do we find a way to restore them back to full humanhood yeah. where they're not forever labeled that? And I'm learning that and seeing that more as I'm growing in my faith. And that's helping me to reconcile a lot of crazy things happening in the world right now. It's a balance between a, com- a comforting truth. It's a comforting Having truth. something to hold on to that is, that is something that you can accept and helps you move past mistakes that you've made, you've made or forgive other people for what they've done. I feel like there's a lot of pressure coming out the gate to do things perfectly. And it's mm-hmm. just, it's just not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's one of the biggest things that we have to learn in this world is we have to forgive not only others, but we have to forgive ourselves when we screw up because, and I know this, um, having dealing with depression that, you know, like when I'm in a bad day, if I screw up, I will continuously replay that screw up in my mind mm-hmm. and just kind of use that as a, like, a, I call it the negative spiral of da- of despair, you know, yeah. where you just constantly replay that and you're constantly saying what an idiot you are, what a failure you are. And it's like, I got to forgive myself for, for what I just did, mm-hmm. you know, you know, cause I look at it and like in, according to my faith, God has already forgiven me. Now yeah. I need to forgive myself. And that is a very freeing thing as well. You know, again, full extent of the law, still prosecute, still hold responsible people who, you know, do things. Um, But I'm not saying that's a get out of jail free, whatever card. It's a, it's, it's interesting when you forgive yourself, how freeing that is. And when you forgive others, even if they don't come, like if someone wrongs me, even if they don't come to me and say, I'm sorry, would you forgive me? If I just like, 
I have to forgive them, you know, just in my own head, how freeing that is because then there's no like this um, animosity anymore between us. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I Like when it comes to the idea of like forgiving somebody else, I feel like we're doing it more for our sanity because we, when we have anger towards other people, mm-hmm. I feel like it's the equivalent of dr- kind of drinking the poison and expecting the other person to die. Exactly. It doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, no. <laughs> That's I, why it's very hard to hold hate, at least for me. Yeah. And tiring. It, it is very tiring. And unfortunately, a lot of people do that. You know, you see these feuds um, between generations or between families, you know, over stupid things. And it's because they're holding some hate on, you know, that goes across generational lines. And it's like, Come on, people. Yeah. Yeah. Not being crazy. I know. Uh, well, last question that I'm, I'm curious about. Do you have a favorite Bible verse? <laughs> ah. Oh, you do? You came let prepared? Me, <laughs> let, me, let me pull this up here one second. Acts 2, and then it starts at 16, but um, it goes on through. But, it goes, but this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, there's a lot in there. And mm-hmm. so, you know, you're like, wait, I heard blood and spirit <laughs> and prophesy. What the heck is going on here? So what, really what's getting, what's getting at is, you know, you know, as a Christian, it's kind of that looking forward to, you know, according to what we believe in Christianity of when God returns, you know, Jesus returns again, the second coming, as we call it, in Revelation. But it's saying these things are going to happen. It's going to be a little crazy. You know, people are going to start prophesying. We're going to start seeing some crazy things. Moon turned to bl- you know, blood and everything yeah. like that. And it's like, people are like, wait, how's that comforting or whatnot? It's, it's comforting the fact that through the craziness, through it all, through the randomness, through the whatever's happening, God's in control from, of whatever's happening. And mm-hmm. it's orchestrated. And it's all leading up to this culmination of Jesus coming back and the fact that he is able to save through all of that and that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You know, ultimately as a Christian and, you know, one of the goals for the youth group and for the churches, we try and our prayer is that all of our youth, all of the people that come to our church eventually call upon the Lord to be saved. Paul, would you like to... Well, first of all, thank you again for coming. This was a super fun conversation and I learned so much. And I'm sure it kind of bounced all over the place. Yeah, I honestly was not expecting. Uh, but then again, you know, you, I, I, did, I didn't do any research on you. So this was uh, very pleasantly surprised. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, I want you to like plug all your, all your stuff. Anything I want to plug as far is definitely my podcast, uh, Use Your Words podcast. Uh, we're found at useyourwords.cc. Uh, useyourwords.com is would cost me like $60,000. So <laughs> useyourwords.cc, $9.99 a year. Huh. Uh, so essentially our tagline is this. It's a podcast about faith, life, and conversations you may not normally have. So whether that's, you know, one of the, the ones I did solo recently, I titled, We Are in the Dumbest Timeline, talking about all the craziness going on right now. And that's a reference to Community, if you've ever seen Community, uh, where they talk about the darkest timeline. I have, yeah. Yep. Um, to anything from, you know, vulnerability. Why is that such a thing that is not seen here in, in the United States, especially, you know? So yeah, so we can find us at userwords.cc. We're on all major podcast platforms, Apple Music, Spotify, all, all the major ones, and even some of those more obscure ones. And you can also go right to our website and listen. There's a little tab that says, listen now, and you mm-hmm. can listen right to us. Um, we're on Twitter, obviously, as everyone is these days at UY 
UYW podcast. I always forget about that. It, <laughs> finding social media handles. I don't know if you've had to I do know. this yet. It is hard. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> it's like, what is available? Oh, what is available? Yeah, and then you have to add like a number. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. And I was trying to get away from not doing numbers. Um, but we're also on Facebook at user words podcast. Um, and then obviously we're also on email at uywords at gmail.com. You know, we were part of the Wisconsin podcast association. Uh, we were one of their featured live uh, podcasts last year at their podcast festival. So we got to do that mm-hmm. live, which is, which is very interesting for my co-hosts. Cause they're like, I don't know what to do. Never what, are we, what are we doing live? <laughs> And, they, and they've never spoken in front of people before. So yeah, this was all new to them where I was coming off of doing conference talks and all this. So they're like, uh. <laughs> but, but yeah, so that, that's really what I want to plug. All right, Paul. Thank you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. You have a good day. You too. Have a good weekend. And I all hope right. in future you can come back again. Hey, yeah. If you, if you will have me. <laughs> um, if you'll have me, sure. I will come back anytime. Uh, just shoot me. Um, on, on Reddit, when, Reddit you, yeah. when you release this episode, shoot me a link and I will um, push it out through my social media as well. Thank All you right. so much. Yeah. All right. Well, have a good one. You too. Right. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey guys, thank you again for listening to the conversation. If you enjoyed it, if it made you laugh, if it made you cry, if it made you feel like the world is a little less lonely, um, I really appreciate it if you could leave a nice rating and a comment. Tell me what you think on iTunes. Uh, I'm on Instagram as well. It's called Can You Tell Me A Story Podcast. Uh, Send me a DM. Tell me what you thought about it. All right. That's it. Bye-bye.